Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Good morning, all. Well, that was a thunderous good morning. Whoa. Rick is going to fix that because he is good. And we're trying something new. Bear with me. So um, we're trying to do a video recording because this is going to be what we have begun is to start uh, a new series on statement of faith of who we are as a resting place church. And we want to do a teaching series on it so that our future leaders can know who, exactly who we are. So this is going to be, there's a little bit more documentation and process here. So are we on, are we good for, Jimmy? Good, thank you. So a couple weeks back, we started a new series. It's called What We Believe, What We Believe. And we are revamping our statement of faith of the Resting Place Church. And this is not just for our campus, it's the all Resting Place Church. So as the leading teaching pastor for the Resting Place Church, we want to equip our saints. We want to equip our leaders. And we want to start with the basics before we get it to the advance. First, come into agreement, this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is all, you know, our core of our faith. And so last week, we, we started with uh, our statement on uh, the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Without errors in its original writings, the Scriptures reveals the truth of God and His will for mankind to live by. And I, I share that to say everything that we're going to study, everything we're going to look at and what we believe comes from the Scripture. The Scripture, we, we went deeper, said it was God breathed out. It was a spirit. It's translated inspired, but it is God's word breathed out that has the authority that gave life to Adam, a dirt pile, to come to life. And everything that came about comes from God's breath and his authority. And if you know what you believe determines how you live, it's important we know what we believe. It's important not just because, hey, my mom believes in that, so I'm going to believe in that. No, there come, come, will come a point in your life where you will determine, why do I believe that? You will question it, and if you can't answer it, you will lose. You will falter. And I want you to know why we believe in the things that we believe. The authority, truth from God so that you can have the confidence. The Bible is our anchor. So today's statement of faith is this. We believe in the one true God who created all things to be holy, eternal, and unchanging. God has revealed himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in one true God who created all things, and he is holy, eternal, and unchanging. Revealed himself in three persons, the triune God of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, the study of God is called theology proper. But, you know, you can take a whole semester and just study about God. With the time to, we have today, I promise you I won't be able to cover everything. I promise you. 
And even if we were to take a whole year, I promise you, it still doesn't justify fullness of who our God is. But what I, and I was really pondering this because there's so much content to if you're going to study about God from the metaphysical to more attributes of God. We can get into the technical and there's Bible verses to support all of that. But how many of you guys can, you, you know that you can know God, know about God and not know God. You can have the most academic PhD all the letters in the alphabet on your business card to say, hey, you have studied and you are the professional about the content of God and still not know God. So with the time we have today, it's not about information that I want to present to you. What I want to show you is to get you to hunger for more of God. To believe in what you believe, to know who he is, but to want more, to ask for more, for you in your personal time to pray, Lord, I want to know you more. What I have seen, what I know, the little that I know is good, but I want to know you more. So that's my pastor's heart desire for you. And so we're going to get into that. We believe in the one true God, who created all things, and he is holy, eternal, and unchanging. Let's start there. We believe in the one true God. There's only one. There's only one God. There's a lot of copies. There's a lot who claim to be God. There's a lot of religions. But I'm telling you, there's only one God. There's only one who created the universe, the heavens and the earth, and everything in between. There's only one God. Did you know that um, you know, there's this debate. Well, not debate. There are many claims in our culture that you may have heard say, hey, they all sound alike. It's probably the same. There's one mountain. There's many ways to get up there. But we'll get up there and meet. No, there's only one God, one door. He has a way, but you got to know his name. He, I want you to know, he is the one who created all things and everything in between. That's what we need to know. One true God who is the creator. Why is that important? Because in Genesis 1.1, says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, there was nothing. No one, nothing. He didn't just create by evolution and changing what existed out of nothing god said let there be and poof, there was the world can say it was a big bang that was his voice god said let there be and boom out of nothing there were the molecules and the material that came into being and that formed into something that's so intelligent and so beautiful. You guys ever thrown something in the air and just randomly and think, oh, there's something beautiful? Come on. You believe that? That takes more faith. But God, who is the intelligent designer, who created 
everything out of nothing. And we know that 11, Hebrews 11.3 11, says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I want you to know that. He didn't make things shifting. He made things out of nothing. I heard a joke, and I think uh, just a couple nights ago on Freedom Friday, we were talking about this. I heard a joke many years ago where um, the scientists and engineers, the, the technology has evolved so advanced that they said, God, we don't need you anymore. We have, we got it all. We can make anything you, anything you can do, we can do. And they set up a challenge to God. And God's like, okay, let's start with the basics. Form a person out of the dust of the earth? They're like, sure, let's do it. So they started gathering the dust and, and the dirt and started forming. And God's like, uh-uh, get your own dirt. Make your own dirt. That's mine. You guys understand that we can think that we are creators, but we can't make nothing. We, we can't even make dirt. God made everything out of nothing. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Oh, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. The word that we use is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There is nothing that is too difficult for him. Because God said, you know, in the scriptures, we see a lot of notion where God, you stretch out your hand, but he's, he didn't have to use his hand. He said, let there be, and there was. He didn't have to lift a finger. That's how powerful he is. He said, let there be, and it was. He created by his authority. That authority is innate. Nobody gave it to him. That was who he is. He is all-powerful. And he's holy. Holiness means separation from that which is evil, wicked, or wrong. To say God is holy is that he is separate from that anything wicked because he is righteous, holy, perfect. I'm giving you a very simplified definition here. <laughs> but holiness all throughout the scripture denotes God. He is the epitome, the example of holiness. He is absolutely perfect. There is nothing wrong with him. Uh, Isaiah 5.16 says, But the Lord of hosts is exalted in justice, and the Lord God shows himself holy in righteousness. All throughout the scripture, the word holy is synonymous with God. He is the living example of holiness because there is nothing evil, wicked, wrong about him. He is separate from that. He is holy. God is powerful and God is good. To say God is omnipotent, God, powerful, and he is holy means he is powerful and good. You know what that means? Imagine we look at uh, the, the billionaires of the world. Hey, what happened with Epstein's trial? And you have all the collection of the wealthy, and they use their power for something evil. 
And we said, we, in this world, we have a hard time trusting anyone, especially those in power, those of the richest. But God is all-powerful, but there's no wickedness in him, which means you can trust him. He is worthy of our trust because he is not only powerful, but he is also good and holy. How do we know? What do we know? How this applies to us is that he's powerful and he's holy. He's powerful and he is good. How does that matter? Because all of that demonstrates his love and kindness. Love and kindness. And it's, all of that is demonstrated in his creation. I heard it said, and I might have shared with this uh, with you all before, but we have some new faces, so bear with me. This truth impacted me greatly when I first heard it. I've heard this debate or question, why do you think God has made you, created mankind to be on the earth? That question. And most often, the two most common answers are to worship him and to serve him. And I understand why people believe that is the answer. That's more instinctive because it is biblical. But I want you to consider that. People think, why did God make mankind? Why did God create Adam and Eve and us to serve him and to worship him? Well, in Genesis 2.15, we believe that, or people believe, we were made to serve him because right after God made man, he put him to work. Uh, Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Then in verse 19, he immediately gives him a job, naming, right, identifying things. And Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we understand that it looks like God has empowered us and now get to work, giving us a purpose. But let me blow that a little bit bigger. Did God, who created the heavens and the earth and everything in six days, he said, let there be, and there it was. Didn't even have to lift a finger. On the seventh day, did he get so tired? He goes, I need a man to take care of my work. Does that even make sense, right? Is he so powerful that he gets tired? That doesn't make sense. So I don't think God needed workers because he did not want to work or he needed rest or he needed, he's not the old man that we might be to say, oh, I need some young buck to do my job. Anyways, that's why I have kids, but that's not God. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I love you. All right. So I don't think God made man for work, to serve him, not primarily. I think we ought to. I think it gives us a purpose. But I don't think that's the main reason why he created. Or what about worship? And I, and I understand. Day and night, night and day. We are called to worship. If you know God... Your natural response ought to be worship because when you understand his reverence and glory, your natural response ought to be worship. But did God create us for the sake of worship? Consider that. 
Night, day and night, night and day, for all eternity. You have the elders and the angels and the elders for all eternity, bowing down over and over, bowing down, laying down their crowns, saying, holy, holy, holy. To God, is, is he so insecure to say, oh, that's, this is all nice, but I just need one more person to tell me how great I am. <laughs> Does that even make sense? Our natural response ought to be to worship God, but not, he didn't create us for the purpose to tell him how great he is. So why did he create mankind? Well, I think if you look at the scripture, it demonstrates his heart. Um, in the beginning, the, the Trinity, and I'm going to breeze through this, the Trinity existed not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament as well. Do you guys know that? The Trinity is all exists. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is exists from the very beginning, Genesis 1-2. Genesis 1-2. I have it somewhere. <laughs> the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the face of the waters. There was a Holy Spirit from the very beginning, before the creations. The Father, obviously, you guys know, existed. But then John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, if you read Genesis, I mean, read John, you know that word is logos. And there's a whole study on that. But logos means logic, but it's also the understanding of how the whole cosmos worked. So the Greeks believed that it wasn't just a word. It was complete understanding of how the world operates and John used that word to say, and God came in the flesh in Jesus Christ. And, and you read that chapter, and it's talking about Jesus, God himself, who was there from the beginning. So understand, John 1 talks about Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, was there from the very beginning. And if you, if you read everything else, there's glimpses of Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. You just need to study your Bible. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so there was the triune God in the beginning before the creation God who is love is in perfect love with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit and I imagine like a husband and wife in perfect love perfect union and what, what is the natural response of perfect love to love, to serve, to give and, and sometimes it's not, I want to give you more. I want to give you more. I want to, get, I want to do, I want to serve. And it's not enough. So what do you do? You have a child in your own image. And you give them everything you have. That's the most natural fruit of love. To make someone in your own image to give everything that you have built up. You guys with me? God didn't make man for a purpose of serving or worship. He did it because he had so much love. He had so much love to give that he made man in his own image, in his own likeness. And then he gave everything that he created to him, to them, to be to be kings and queens, to have dominion, to have authority, to name names, to have 
all the authority that oh, the creator has to give onto. That is an inheritance language. Do you understand? That is giving your kids everything you have, your legacy, your name, everything out of love. I don't know if any of you guys just give up your whole legacy, your inheritance, your estate to a complete stranger or someone you don't care about. No, you leave it for your kids that you love. And I want you to know that this language, and again, I, we can do a whole study on this subject by itself, but Genesis uh, 5, 1 through 3, you know the whole lineage and genealogy that you, we often skip over in, in the Old Testament Bible? I want you to know that that all began with God, and he uses the language of what I'm talking about. He says, this is the book of the generation of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female. He created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him himself. And, and the, you, you read Genesis 5. It goes through the whole lineage of all the names, all the nations at that time. And it starts with God being the father who had a son, who had another son, and goes on. It begins with God. What started first? Where came first? Chicken or the egg? Right? This, is, this answers it. You guys with me? Yeah, we make a, like, all these riddles. Come on. It's God. God's the beginning. Anyways, why am I sharing all of this? Because God, what we believe determines how we live. If you believe that God has made you, made you for the sake of like work, serving him, then you will work really hard. Because you will give your best and you will serve. You will be busy, but that will lead to religious spirit. You will work without getting love. If you believe you have been created to, uh, to worship him, okay, that's good. But at your best, in your mind, you think, if I give my best, and that is to worship him, then I need to call others to worship. And that is like to serve in the church. In your mind, if, if that's your highest, then you think you have to go into ministry. And if you can't do that, you feel like you're giving second best. I used to believe that. I'm telling you, what we believe will determine how we live and the decisions that we make. But I'm telling you that it's not for service, although we ought to serve him. It is not for worship, although we ought to worship him. It is to receive his love and to give love. His primary purpose in creation was that he's all-powerful. He is all-loving. He is all-everything. But all that encompassed in his creation to love us and to give us his legacy, his inheritance. The Almighty, Holy God created us to love us. Here's how that applies in our life. There will be a time you will go through trials of many kinds. There will come a time in your season of life where you will go through difficulties. If you haven't, live a little. You will. It's not if, it's when. That's the sad part. Life has a way of throwing us rejections, hurts, pains, disappointments. And there will come a time when we are on our knees and we pray, God, help me. 
when we pray in such a way, two things will prick at your faith. One, is he big enough? Or two, is he good enough? Is he big enough asks, are you able? Do you have the power? And most people who say, I worship God, he is the almighty. We don't question that. But it's also the second one. Is he good enough? Does he care? Does he hear your prayers? That's what we question. God, are you there? Do you hear me? Do you know what I'm going through? Question of, is he good enough? When you know the scripture, the God found in the scripture, the one true God that I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he is good enough and powerful enough. He can and he will. I, I, I want you to get that. When we question, is he big enough and is he good enough? He is the omnipotent and he's holy. He is good. He's loving. If you get that right, everything else will come into place. You may not have to know everything throughout the scripture. I want you to know it's to your benefit that you know everything about God. But in your prayers, it's those two things. Is he big enough and is he good enough? And I'm saying he is. Because he demonstrated how? Through the creation. He demonstrated how? By giving of his son. He gave his one Love, the deepest love that he is so pleased with in Jesus Christ, his own son. He came, he died in our stead that we won't have to. He gave his righteousness that we, he might be our sin on the cross. He did not hold back anything for you. He can and he did in Jesus. That should shift everything about how you think about living. I don't know the God that you worship, but our God comes in the name of Yahweh, the great I am. Moses asked, whom should I say sent me? He goes, I am. I am that I am. And then God gave his son, Yeshua. He saves. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Then he gave his Holy Spirit, his own spirit, spirit of God, the, third, the triumph, the third person of God, to come into our hearts, to those who believe, to be one with us. That's unfathomable. It's like what the ancients believed about the Holy of Holies, you can't even go into that place because God is there. We will be striked dead because God's presence is there. We're, we're evil. We're separate. God says, I'm giving you my righteousness and I give you my spirit and made up the holy of holies in us to be one. That's crazy. And when you know that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit is in us to those who believe the power, how can we say that God has retired if he has given his spirit in us? That makes no sense. But I digress. To know about God is not enough about just studying. It's to know his love. It's not knowing about his power and Bible verses and quoting and memorization. All that is good. 
But man, it's not enough to know about God. It's to know him in a personal way. The love that he has shared. I remember when I was a new baby convert, <laughs> uh, a new Christian, my friend shared the good news with me, the, the gospel and of Jesus, and told me about heaven and hell. And I believed because I knew that if there was a hell, I deserved it. I, I recognized. If there was judgment, boy, I deserved hell, not heaven. And that was my reality check. So in fear, I came to know the Lord. In fear, I accepted because I knew I deserved judgment. But then my sister said, you know, Eric, it's really good that you know the fear of God because that's just the beginning of wisdom. But you need to know his love. And I didn't understand that. I was like, how can you love a God that you can't see, right? And, and that was my eternal, like, pursuit. How do I know? How can I know love? And, and I pursued it. I, I was asking all that. But, you know, there's only some things that you can tell others about, but they have to experience. I can tell you how good dark chocolate can taste with savory and bitterness and this balance and all of that. But until you taste it, all you know is like, eh, okay. It sounds okay. It doesn't sound really great. Until you taste it, then you realize, oh, that's good chocolate, right? I can tell you how good love is, being in love, to, to have one to love and to experience the love, to receive the love, and, and say, I'm going to give over of myself in serving. And from a distance, unless you have tasted it, you're like, that sounds okay, but... Something doesn't make sense. You, why would you serve? And what would you give? Why would you, right? Until you have tasted love. Until you have experienced love. There are things that you can only learn about. People can learn about religion. Learn about different deities. But unless you have tasted the goodness, unless you have tasted the love, can you really appreciate who our God is? Amen? We don't come to church just to worship him. We don't come to church just to serve him. We come because when you're in love, man, you can't wait for that next date. And it doesn't have to be only one day a week. It's every day walking. I remember walking on the campus, you know, when I was young. Just, I felt like I was floating. <laughs> I never experienced peace in my life. That peace, I felt like I was floating. It was new. The sky looked bluer and prettier. Like, everything was just so nice. And I just remember, like, God, thank you. Because he allowed me to experience something I never knew before. I didn't know a lot about our God I, around that time, I never even cracked open the Bible. I didn't know except what was shared to me. But I experienced his love, his peace, his grace. You know, most people have uh, birthmarks that are specific. There's a mark, you know, something that distinguishes you of your identity. And designers have particular trademarks that identifies who they are. If you see a, a trademark logo of an apple, 
you won't think of a fruit. You will think of technology, iPhones, or whatever it is that you are familiar with. That mark identifies the brand, the company. Birthmarks identify the child, or maybe. There is a mark that God has given to all his children. And Jesus said, by this all will know that you are my disciples. And that is his love. By this, they will know, the world, that you are my disciples. Do you bear the mark of his grace, the love? You have to know it. You have to experience to show it to others. Otherwise, it's just pretending. We can talk about evangelism and serving and all that stuff, but if you don't have the mark, you're just going through the motions. What I'm telling you all, at the Resting Place Church, we don't just believe in the Almighty God. We believe in the one true God who is big enough and good enough. We believe He is holy. He is omnipotent. He loves us so much. And that's what we want to convey to the world of who we are through our love. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.